We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Getting about two weeks away from opening day. A lot of the the questions that we had about how the Yankees roster was going to shake out, I think have been mostly answered now that Correa signed with Minnesota, Story signed with the Red Sox, and some other pieces have been traded or, or seemingly not going to be traded. And I want to start the show, Scott, just talking about how it really does seem like a bulk of Yankees fans have a lot of negative feelings towards this offseason. And maybe that's skewed because when I say bulk of Yankees fans, I'm mainly talking about like Twitter interactions that I'm having, which might be unfair because I think uh, there's a good portion of our audience that is probably not on Twitter, doesn't give a shit about Twitter. Like, good for you guys. Like, <laughs> don't create an account if you don't have one. <laughs> but the so there's there's generally younger people on Twitter, people maybe Logan's age. <laughs> we just talked about before the show was six years old in 2009, so let that sink in. But it's just like it seems like people think this is a complete disaster of an off season. And while again, I'll repeat, I don't think that this is a spectacular off season. It's not fair to say this is a complete disaster of an off season, in my opinion. I've been on Reddit a whole lot recently. Oh boy, I've, Reddit. That's a I've whole been thing. I've been on Reddit a lot recently, uh, just trying to look at just other conversations that are happening around the Yankees as well. And I, I think that um, a couple things. There's definitely a split. There's definitely a split. I've put some tweets out here there that that people have um, you know responded to and and talked about how the the off season isn't what people are making it out to be. I think that because the Yankees, and this is similar, similar vibe to when uh, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado were free agents. I think when you have large free agents that that are going to sign somewhere that are all star caliber players, that everybody in the Yankees world expects the Yankees to sign one of them. And when that doesn't happen, the Yankees are cheap. The Yankees aren't trying. The Yankees aren't doing what they need to. The Yankees aren't this or that. And while I agree with it to some point, I think that it's a it's kind of an exhausted narrative because if you look at this team, I mean, they've been putting out, Cashman's been talking about recently, this is the highest payroll we've gone out. He's not wrong. It's So you, whether you agree with the way that the money is being spent or the fact that they're not spending money, those are two different things. They didn't go after these large um, long-term contracts. I'm fine with that, to be honest. Like they had, What they did is they addressed what they should they what they try what they started to address in the middle of last year at the trade deadline they they took another step i'd say that's kind of it's it was almost like a, a continuation of that because what they were doing at that point is identifying that they had some holes in the roster and they tried to address them it seems like best they could in the middle uh, of the season and i'd say that they they did address some some things some addition by subtraction not sexy names but they they clearly are valuing defense over offense with the the moves that they made. I think that's one of the biggest things. And if you don't agree with that philosophy, given the contracts that they have, then that's a different story. But they're still paying John Carlos Stanton a good amount. He's actually a bargain when you look at the contracts coming out that have the come Marlins out. Here. Are paying, the Marlins are paying like a third of his salary. Yeah. So. You you look at uh, he's a like guy the like, best value on the team. <laughs> a guy like IKF, and I hear, you know, 
and I know we're going to talk about Correa and what he signed for because I think that uh, that changes That's why people the narrative busy. a little bit yeah. here. Who knows what those conversations were like? Who knows like who was serious about which team or if the Yankees were serious about them or if the off the field stuff was important to them and they considered that more than um, you know they're alluding to. So I think there's a number of considerations here. I, for one, am happy with the way that this team looks right now, to be honest. Like they could be improvement. They could improve in certain areas. There's no doubt about it. The catching situation is a big question mark, but I do yes. believe that they think that Higgy can be a starting catcher and is their guy. I, I believe that. But even even that, they Rortvert Rortvet is gonna have to gonna have to figure out that one as the season goes along. Oblique injury, so he's likely not. They, but they knew that, right? The, he, he came over with that. So that's again that leads me down the path of like they're very comfortable with Higgy being the starting catcher. Okay, so. But like the catching depth, I think is a little bit of a concern, not a huge concern because I'm still of the opinion that removing Gary Sanchez from the equation is actually a net positive. The rotation, I think, is also a concern, not a huge concern, but I would love to see another middle of the rotation arm for depth because obviously Garrett Cole, you can count on him for 30 starts. I think health-wise, you can count on Jordan Montgomery for 30 starts. That's 60 starts. You have to make up 100 starts out of Severino, Jamison Tyon, Nestor Cortez, and then depth options like Michael King and Clark Schmidt, uh, maybe Debbie Garcia, Luis Heal, and whoever else you want to call up from Scranton. That's a lot of starts, 100, to get out of guys that all have question marks of varying degrees attached to them. So that's where my concerns with the rotation comes in. Yeah, I understand that. And I think that that's a valid concern. I think that they're looking at their depth in AAA and a guy like Nestor Cortez and the, you know, the ability to lean on a stronger bullpen, similar to what they did two years ago is what they're looking at. But for sure, I mean, injuries are going to be a concern. You know, I don't know. There could have been uh, moves to be made, I think, to solidify the starting rotation more. I, I think that's definitely an area that that you could press on. Um, and there, you know, again, I still think that there's an available, there's still available trade options with that too. And maybe they're looking at that for midseason or maybe, maybe there's still something coming yeah. up. Um, well, so the sever- I don't think they're finished, whether it's at the end of this spring training or going into the break. Like I think they'll, they will spend money, but they're, they're spending money. No, the spending the money, the $250 million, yeah, that's a, a, a it's a huge payroll. No one's arguing that. I think people are questioning the allocation of that payroll. Josh Donaldson and makes a, makes a, Josh, scratches your head, makes you scratch your head. People see, okay, you added Josh Donaldson to go over the next threshold of luxury tax, and then you stop there. Like, people, that's not a sexy thing. That's not a sexy move for people. And then they see Correa sign with the twins who just offloaded Donaldson's money, they start to create this narrative that Cashman and the Yankees got played by the twins and, and, and this whole thing. And they think, well, wouldn't it be perfect for Correa to have signed with the Yankees on short-term deal with opt-outs, basically a series of one-year deals based on his liking. If you're waiting for the next shortstop in Volpe to come up, like, yeah, on the face of it, that makes sense. But then there was also reports that the Yankees never discussed that three-year option contract with Correa. A four-year deal was discussed, but very briefly. And and also, I didn't want Correa on this team, okay? You have to think about things other than just statistically, is he going to help this roster? Because he's an a-hole, and no one in that locker room likes him. That has to be considered. Seager was the, the prototypical move. If you were going to sign a long-term shortstop, it was going to be Corey Seager. Once that didn't happen, I didn't see Baez, Trevor Story, Carlos Correa fitting onto this roster. I would have loved Freddie Freeman. Everyone knows I would have loved Freddie Freeman. He didn't want to come to the Yankees, reportedly, okay? Like you said on the last episode, you can only do so much when someone doesn't want to play in your city. So it it didn't happen. It takes two to tango. The conversation with Correa also changed once the Yankees made that trade with Minnesota. I understand that. If Minnesota had that, you know, that play and that was what they were going for the entire time, like good for them. Yeah, yeah. Good for them. Good for them. Because they 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 played it beautifully if that was the case. But at that time when they're having that conversation with Correa and then they're looking at another option of adding uh what they what they believe. Again, you gotta get yourselves in the mind of like what they actually think, whether you agree with it or not. 
They believe that Donaldson is an upgrade at third base. At third base, they agreed that IKF was a uh, a better option for this roster given the money and the years and the the flexibility than going four or five years with a Correa. Clearly, they they didn't want to spend this this sick. What, what did Seager end up signing? Was it ten year? Seager got ten years, like three hundred and twenty million dollars. Yeah. So Seager, you're right, was the fit for this team. There's no doubt. Like he was, uh, you know, he's a he lefty bat, play defense, lefty bat. Like he yeah. was the guy that 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 made a lot of sense for this roster. You start. Going, I would say that story was probably the closer one as well because could the Correa piece. There is an off the field issue there. Like I, I, you want to ignore that. Everybody wants to ignore that. Like it's not a thing, but it's actually a thing. It's real. It, it is a be. real thing. It has to be. Uh, what did we come up with like a few months ago? The common sense department. Like who? Who's in the? Get me someone in that front office that's just like, hey, let's look at some other things than just the stats on if this person's going to work on on the Yankees. Like happened with Sonny Gray, couldn't handle New York. It's happened with other players that just haven't been able to handle it. Maybe Correa could handle it. He seems like a, a cocky enough guy to be able to handle the New York media. But there's other things that he was going to have to handle. And what if Judge and and Stan yeah, what if, what and if all they're the like, other guys guy in the locker team. room. Exactly. If you go around the locker room, I'm sure Garrett Cole, who played with Carlos Correa, might have had some things to say on if he's I know be a exactly good fit what that not. MF did. I know exactly what that guy did. Yeah. No, you're you're not wrong. Like all of these things, all of these conversations happen. We just don't know them. We don't know what the context of these conversations, but they happen. I guarantee they happen. And and story signs at the Red Sox. It was interesting towards right before he signed, there were reports, oh, the Red Sox are in on him to play second base. And then wheels got spinning in Yankees fans' heads. And they're like, oh, well, if the Yankees can trade Glaver Torres, sign Trevor Story to play second base, then DJ can still be the backup second baseman, backup first baseman, backup third baseman. Maybe that's something that they do. And that gives them also insurance at, at shortstop because Story could slide over to shortstop if IKF is having a bad season or if he gets hurt or something like that. Because right now, who's your backup shortstop on this roster? It's Glaber Torres. No one feels good about that. No, no, not at all. For sure. That's, you know, um, and there, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a journeyman guy added at some point for defense, but yeah. And so story gets six years from the Red Sox. I, I don't love that contract. If I'm the Yankees, if you're just thinking long-term, which I understand if you don't want to do because you want the world series in 2022, I completely get that. The window is, if you want to even say the window is still open, like the thing is being held up with duct tape at this point. What, I mean, okay. I don't even know what the window is because all the players are completely different at this point. The window is all our well, 2017 Judge, hope was gone. No, no, no. The window is this: Garrett Cole, Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton in their primes. Okay, that's the window. It's winning with those guys in their primes, and you have probably this in the next two to three years to do that. Okay. So if you're saying what gives us the maximum opportunity to win in 22, 23, 24, yeah, it's sign Trevor Story or sign Carlos Correa. It's not bring in IKF, okay? I get that. But what bringing in IKF does, and then the Josh Donaldson two-year situation, not locking yourself into a long-term first baseman with Rizzo, I think I saw in our chat, Logan and Ilya posted, like the Yankees payroll is projected to be like $100 million under the tax in two years. Now, I'm not someone who is like super concerned about Hal Steinbrenner's budget. Okay. He could spend half a billion dollars on the team every year, and the New York Yankees franchise would still make money. Okay. Because it's a juggernaut. But they are looking at it like it's a business. They are looking at it like it's a budget. Okay. And I'm not going to fool myself again because it's happened twice already. Oh, the Yankees are resetting the luxury tax so they can sign Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. The Yankees are resetting things so they can be in on all the, the big shortstops. Guess what? None of those happened. But this roster is not allocated smartly, okay? There's way too much money at the back end of the bullpen, one of which isn't going to play this year in Zach Britton. You you've, you've are going to lock up Aaron Judge, whether it happens before the season starts or it happens at the end of the year. Aaron Judge is going to make $30 plus million a year, and he's going to be on this roster. So the, the allocation of the roster has to be taken into account. And it, it was just it was just poorly allocated. And we saw where it led them. And it's to this place. You can look backwards though, too. And and people were mad about the uh about not going after Harper and Machado. But you know, I, I've said this before in the on on, on multiple shows. The Yankees made a made a choice 
They were not going to go after them because they had the opportunity to get Stanton. They chose Stanton over those guys. They chose one of the three guys and they chose Mike, uh, Mike Stanton. They chose Giancarlo Stanton. That's a throwback. Mike Stanton. He hasn't been Mike Stanton since like 2012. Yeah. They chose Stanton at 22 million versus Harper. Even though Harper, didn't he only sign for like 25 million AAV? That Harper contract. He signed for like 19 years. I know he did. But that Harper contract, when you think about it, if you take Stanton off, it, it, I could see that working out because AAV wise, it's not crazy. And they, yeah, and they, they said, we, we'll have Stanton at 22 million versus the potential of Harper or Machado for, for bigger money. Whether that's the right move or not, like that's up for debate. I don't know. You look back though, and you look at the numbers to, and, and the guys that they sign, and yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's actually well, Harper's worked. been it's worked. It's Harper's been the Harper's best. a damn good player. Machado's definitely not the same guy that everybody thought he was, I think. So the value of of what they're getting for Stanton is clearly at well well and above both of those guys just for the amount of dollars that they're paying him. We'll see what happens at the end of this contract for him and how how you know long he can he can sustain the health and and be at a top form, but it looks good now whereas you know, two years ago, people were bitching about it completely, but you look back now and it looks good. It does, of the three players. A popular thing that's been going around Yankee Social this week is the options that they could have, have had uh, this offseason. And they're comparing, okay, for the dollars they spent, option one, they could have signed Correa to $35.1 million. Glaber Torres is on the roster at $4 million. LeMahieu's on the roster at fifteen. They would have maybe kept Sanchez and Voigt at 8 and $6 million respectively. Or maybe you could offload some Voight's money or Sanchez's money. But I, again, I don't see how that happens if you're not doing the Donaldson IKF trade. Option one total, $68 million. The big thing is obviously Correa. Or option two is what they did. Donaldson, IKF, Torres, Rizzo, LeMahieu at $63 million. The money's roughly the same. The big thing that I saw people missing was that <laughs> Sanchez being removed from the roster was clearly a priority in the Donaldson money. Okay. They agreed. Yeah. We'll take on Donaldson's 22 or 25 million a year salary. If you take Gary Sanchez's 8 million a year salary. Yes. I know you're adding payroll, but it's not like they were going to take on Donaldson and keep Sanchez. That was never a possibility. So the option is really, would you have rather had Correa and Gio on the left side of the infield? If that was even on the table or or what they have now, which is Donaldson IKF. I mean, obviously, Correa, yeah, no one's arguing Correa is the best player out of all of them. Okay. But again, for all the reasons we said, might not have fit with this team. And and the contract may not have been close to what was actually right. signed either. So that's that's the other piece of this is this is a fantasy because we're not sure timing does matter in free agency and how things how things line up. And it just may not have been available like that. But yeah, I mean, if you're looking at on the field, just on the field, then then you could make the argument that that the Correa option was is a better option. Like he's the best player of of those of those uh, of those people. Right. There's no doubt. Nobody's again, nobody's arguing that. But the other the, the salary thing for Gary Sanchez, the eight million, that's a piece of this. But also just having Gary Sanchez not on this lineup and uh, not catching the pitchers that didn't want to throw to him, also a in addition by subtraction in their eyes, that was part of the equation. At the at some point last year, Cole obviously Tyon because he's you know buddy buddy with Cole and Corey Kluber all preferred not to throw to Gary Sanchez. When three fifths of the rotation prefers not to throw to a guy, it's time to move on. Unfortunately, and it was time to move on from Gary Sanchez. I think though, what they did this off season puts a tremendous amount of pressure on Anthony Volpe working out. And now MLB Pipeline just came out with some new rankings. He's number eight in Major League Baseball Top 100, number eight prospect in the league. But if he is not an all-star, like future all-star, perennial all-star level shortstop, there's going to be a lot of eyeballs looking back on this offseason, criticizing what the Yankees decided to do. Um, I mentioned that I was... Uh... I've been dabbling on on Reddit a little bit more too. I, I actually put I posted something on there and I, I asked if if you would want if you would give up a package including Volpe and here I'm gonna go back to my guy because I'm a, I'm a I'm mildly obsessed because he's still in Cleveland. But uh, two year uh, give up a package of Volpe for two years 
of Jose Ramirez at at uh, what is it, twelve and fourteen million dollars, I think, respectively, something like that. It's it's very very reasonable, and I I would it was split. There's no doubt. I would say the majority went to the people that said yes, I would do it, uh, but a lot of also would be like yes, but Yankees won't do it type of thing. Yes, but he's hyped up this much. We're gonna see what he gets, but. If you're looking as a baseball fan for the next two years and you're banking on Volpe, I know that he could be the next, quote, Derek Jeter. He could be the next guy, right? He could be. I mean, that's that's no the type pressure, of pressure kid. he's – I mean, that's that's what we're looking at. He's a New Jersey kid coming up. With I know. The, you know, he's got the the shortstop um, label on him. He's got a number that's under number under 20 that he picked that is that he's being uh, – he's able to wear, which I think was something. Um, and – yeah, for me, I I I don't. He's not even played in Double A yet, right? So this year will be a big year for him to see what he really is. I think, and to see if he can stay within that ranking system. But Jose Ramirez for two years is a top five hitter. He's a top five player. Like he is a dynamic hitter that that changes your team and has flexibility to move across the diamond. Like you make room for a guy like that. And if I know I have him for two years. I'm thinking real hard about that and especially understanding that there's going to be another free agent market with shortstops given these short-term deals. You could probably go out and get a shortstop. And guess what? You're not spending money on Jose Ramirez. You're not. You know, that's a good point. If if Volpe takes a massive step back this year and IKF just is a disaster, <laughs> I'm guessing Correa is going to be on the market again next year. They can have a redo if they really want to redo. Logan, can you look up the last Yankee prospect ranked at in the top 10 in Major League Baseball. Like, I can't remember. I know Judge, all those guys were not ranked in the top 10 in Major League Baseball. Was it Montero? Who, might have been Jesus Montero. Or Severino. Was Severino? Did Severino high. ever get that I don't high? Think, I don't think Sevi ever got that high. I don't think the Yankees have had a top 10 pitching prospect ever in my life, in our lifetime. Brian Taylor. Um, Brian Taylor. I mean, the, remember the killer bees, Benuelos, Batances. Mm-hmm. Benuelos is back with the uh, back with the organization. So I'm just I'm just wondering, like, is Volpe might be the highest ranked Yankee prospect in in a very very long time? Obviously, the Yankees have had prospects come up and and be good. Judge Judge is one of the best players in baseball. He was the Yankees prospect that worked out. Gary Sanchez didn't work out. Looked like he was going to work out. Didn't work out. Severino. I don't think we could say at this point has been working out. He had a really good 2018 and he's been injured ever since. Clint Frazier didn't work out. Justice Sheffield didn't work out for the Yankees. So the Yankees have had more. Everyone has had more prospects missed than hit. That's the nature of prospects. Okay. You're you're not going to hit at a good rate. It's like, it's like the hall of fame. If you, if you bat 300, you're, you're a hall of fame prospect organization. So no one's doing that, but this has to work out. Volpe has to work out. Or else there's going to be a lot of criticism from this offseason. And I think it will be warranted. But they clearly believe Volpe is the next perennial all-star. It's got to be next year, too. I think it's got to be next year. Because That's if you're waiting too damn long, then what are we doing? Then you're wasting they're wasting the you're wasting two, two prime years. I think two years. Because I think two years. If Volpe is the opening day shortstop 2024, I and he's good, I think people will be okay. If he's, if he's in double head, A this but, year, if he's in double A this year, he should absolutely be in the majors next year. Okay, fine. He could be in the majors next year, but you're saying he's good. Like you're saying if he, if he comes up next year, like how judge got called up in the, in the middle of 2016 and he's, you know, he's okay. He's, he's plays decently for, for a month and a half. I don't think people are going to call it a disaster then because you have to see what he's like in his first, first real full season. Everyone gets their feet wet in the majors. And then we see how it how it translates from there. I mean, the last prospect that I, I can remember, Glaber Torres gets called up. He gets called up a month into the season because they were fudging his service time. And and he was good right away. And he's Robbie, de- Robbie Cano. Robbie Cano declined he, ever since then. Did Cano get to top 10 status? I don't know. Cano was good right away. Yeah. So, I mean, look, it, it could absolutely work out and it could work out in a, and I, and I hope it does. I hope he's the shortstop for the next 15 years, 10 years, whatever it looks like. Um, because, you know, from the, from the prospect status and from what everybody are saying, like that, that is the potential for this guy. Uh, so if that's the case, then, then I do expect him to, to, to do well this year in double A and he won't stay in triple A for long. He really won't. I, I mean, it wouldn't, so if he, let me ask you a question. If he's 
burning down the gates in double A in the first half of the season. You're telling me they're not going to send them up a triple A for like two weeks yeah, and will. then send them up? Because that's what's going to happen. If IKF is struggling, if IKF is struggling, it okay. would not surprise me that we see him even this year if he's doing well in double A. Yes, a lot of it depends on I think on they have nothing happening. to lose if they do that at that in that in that case. They should, no, they should you learn on the job to- at that point. Well, you you have something to lose because you can you can call up a prospect too early and he gets exposed and that ruins his progression. I well, mean, then that's he was never a real prospect. In the... That's not true. Yes, that's not is. true at all. Yes, you, it is. That's a little unfair. Not, not if he's doing well in Double A. If he's doing well in Double A, goes for a cup of coffee in Triple A. There's there's no reason to keep him in Triple A at that point. What if I if, if there's an opening really well. again? This is all contingent on an opening. If somebody is not doing what they're supposed to be doing, or let's say Donaldson gets hurt. And IKF has to play third or, you know, whatever the situation may be. If someone, someone is not struggling with in there and there needs to be a shift, you can't move Glaber to short for, for a long period of time. So Peraza might be the, is the one that's, uh, that's ahead of him as far as development. So he, he very well might be yeah. the guy first. Because they are conscious, they are conscious of calling up prospects too early and stunting their development. Maybe they're overly cautious in, in some senses. But if IKF is hitting 215 in in June and they call up Volpe, it's going to be the savior has arrived. And if he's not immediately an impact player, people are going to be like, well, what the F did we do last offseason? And they're conscious of that. Well, it doesn't seem like they're too conscious of it because they made the decision to move forward with him. He is the future as of as of today. He is the future at shortstop. There's no doubt about it. IKF has the ability to play in multiple positions, won a gold glove at third base. I didn't even realize this, but when uh, Ilya and Logan were talking about it in the chat, like I didn't realize he had 70 games of, at catcher on the major league level. I didn't realize that. Like The guy has the flexibility to move around. He's clearly a ball player and can play in multiple places. He doesn't need to be entrenched as the shortstop for long term for him to be a valuable player on this team at all. I, he's an he's going to be an emergency catcher probably for the Yankees, but don't expect him to play. I'm not saying he's the catcher, but I'm, I'm saying not, he no, could go to second, he could go to third. He's got yeah. the flexibility to move around the infield. I'm not saying you. I'm saying people are, I've seen people also saying, oh, IKF can be a backup backup catcher to Higgy to start the season. I, I don't think that's a realistic possibility. I think they want to have IKF focus on shortstop. I don't see him shifting to catcher once a week or anything like that. And that's fine. I mean, kid grew up a Yankees fan, you know, like there's a lot of things to like there. Checking the boxes. He's also, boxes. yeah, he's checking the boxes. He's, he's bleacher, shaving. He posted he's, that bleacher creature uh, yeah. photo of him from back in the day. He was out in the right field bleachers. Yeah. So far, IKF has had a tremendous start to his Yankees career. It's like if you're drawing up the PR department in the Yankees, they're like, okay, you do these three things, right? You 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 post a video of you shaving. Then you dig up an old picture of you, like how Garrett Cole did, of being a Yankees fan from when you were seven years old. That's going to endear you to Yankee fans. And then when any, any reporter asks you about anything, just talk about winning. Just talk about how you want to win. And, and then boom, that's Nothing the trifecta. Matters, but postseason. Nothing matters but postseason. Yeah, no, it's he's done. He's done. His, he's done his thing, and uh, and we'll see how the pressure hits him. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So Luke Voigt traded to the Padres for pitching prospect Justin Lang. He is a former first-round pick, apparently touched 102 on the gun. A lot of people were maybe expecting the Yankees to get a bigger haul for Luke Voigt. I, I don't understand why. He's a one-dimensional first baseman. Is he a good offensive player? Yeah, but he's also a one-dimensional first baseman, and those just don't get a lot on the trade market. 
I actually think them getting a, a lottery ticket pitching prospect is about the best that you could hope for in trading Luke Voigt, especially when the Yankees have no leverage, right? They sign Rizzo. The Padres are sitting there like, uh, Voigt has no place on your roster. You're going to give him to us for this or nothing. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. I think they, I don't know enough about the prospect to to think. I know he was a former, a recent first round pick. So clearly mm-hmm. he was well regarded and thought of. And from the things that I've read, yeah, he's just a little raw. Like there's definitely the ability there and and the kid could could absolutely be something. So um, I think there, that was good value and and it's fine. You're right. Like you said, bag of balls, like it would have been fine. That's, that's no, that's, that's disrespectful to Luke Voigt. He's worth more than that. But the Yankees didn't, he didn't fit the roster in, in what they were doing. So they went out and got the best prospect and they got a prospect with, uh, you know, former, a first round grade and, and a pitcher. So that's, that's all good. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that haul. I think Logan's got some, some info on uh prospect. Yeah. So I have the answer to your question. Um, in 2017, Glaber Torres was the third ranked prospect in all of baseball. Oh, wow. I didn't realize And was that fifth high. in 2018 before he came up. So that would be the the highest you guys referenced Jesus Montero. He was 19th in 2010 and 9th in 2011. And then he also was 12th in 2012. I saw Gary Sanchez made an, an appearance at 32 in 2011, which is crazy considering how long he's been, he's in, been the in the leagues. organization for as long as he's been alive, Logan. <laughs> literally, literally. Um, and then a fun name on this list, uh, Jorge Mateo was 30th in baseball in 2016. Ooh, yeah. We'll see how that one panned out. This I, he's still playing baseball. I give Jorge Mateo yeah. credit. That man is still <laughs> making a, a living playing baseball. He's playing the outfield now. He was with uh, a bunch of different... Good for him. Like he's still He's still living the dream. Yeah, and uh, uh, Benuelos was who's back with the Yankees was 13 in 2012. Uh, Judge and Severino were in the top 35 at different points over the last 10 years. But other than that, Glaber was really that high, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, also a thing with prospect rankings is that age is obviously taken into a factor. So Judge went to college. He played four years in college. So he was always an older prospect, and that's always taken into account. Same thing as we've been talking uh, in our chat with that baseball trade values website. I really love that website. It's really cool. But as people post more of these things on social, be like, hey, they could get this for this. It's like that that website values prospects way higher than any major league talent because major league talent is making major league salary and it takes salary into account. It's like I was looking up values. Garrett Cole's value is like 19 on that website. And, and then if you look up like some other pitchers who are, one-tenth the talent level of Garrett Cole, but are on rookie deals or something, their value is like 11. And it's like, well, what's something is not adding up here? Yeah, it's because Garrett Cole makes $36 million a year. That's why the value, quote-unquote, to an organization is what it is. Just, you know, a little aside as as we're talking about uh, potential trades. Yankees might be in on someone from Oakland or something like that. Just the prospects are always going to be ranked higher. Um, the thing with Voight is not that he was bad. It's just he was redundant, okay? He was redundant on this team and in, and, and in this lineup, and the writing was on the wall. They had to move on from him. I also saw a report. <laughs> the Yankees are shopping Miguel Andujar. Poor Miguel Andujar. Like, legitimately forgot he was on the roster. It's been four years since he was on this team and playing. That was 2018, his rookie year. 2019, he gets hurt in the first week of the season. And it's we haven't seen him since. What was the trade that was turned down? Was it it was it for Garrett Cole and Pittsburgh? Clint and it was Frazier, uh, Frazier and, and Miguel Andujar. Yeah. Frazier and Andujar for Garrett Cole prior to the 2018 season. Whoops. Yeah, I'd like a do-over on that one. Whoops. Yeah, again, you know, remember thinking that all the speculation is actually true and like conversations happen the way that they happened uh, through you know, who, who, whoever's reporting that, but look yeah. at Debbie Garcia, look at Debbie Garcia, right? No one wanted to trade Debbie Garcia for anything when it, in the year that he was called up and, and now he's not even, not even sniffing top 10 in the Yankee system. Never mind in major league baseball. Could he still be a solid pitcher at the major league level? Sure. I'm not going to rule that out, but that's the fickle nature of these prospects. So when we're talking about Volpe, things can change on a dime. Yes, he he has he has a bad season this year, and he's not ranked next year. Okay, that's how quickly it can change. No, absolutely, and that's and that's that's the gamble with all these guys, and that's why prospect hugging is not a a a great 
strategy to have. Yes, you need to develop, but you need, you know, you need you need a you're still playing a numbers game when you're when you're when you're messing with the uh, the minor leagues. And the Yankees are just in a position where they are spending this much money. Banking on a kid to come up is part of their strategy, I think, to get cheaper. But it's also a big risk for him being the player that they think he is. MLB Network put out, uh, they do the top 10 at each position. It's uh, They use the shredder, which is like a proprietary algorithm or something that the MLB Network uses to come up with their top 10 lists. And caught a lot of Yankees' attention eye because the top 10 third baseman had Josh Donaldson as the fifth best third baseman in baseball. And people are thinking, like, what, Josh Donaldson? Yeah, maybe if we're talking 2016 when he's winning MVPs, he's the he's a top five third baseman. But now? And then you look at the numbers, and I think five for Donaldson's a little high, but he's in the conversation in top 10. <clears throat> Their list was Jose Ramirez, your, your guy, clearly best third baseman. Rafael Devers, Alex Bregman. I think those three are are really the elite of the elite third baseman. I would actually probably rank Bregman at number two uh, over Devers, although Devers is pretty great. Justin Turner, then Josh Donaldson, Anthony Rendon, Manny Machado, Nolan Arenado, Yohan Moncada, Chris Bryant as, as rounds out the top 10. And then you start looking at the numbers and the projections Donaldson's zips projections for 2022 are a 119 WRC plus, which I actually think might be low and 3.2 war. And that's pretty much in line with Justin Turner, with Arenado, with Chris Bryant. So while I don't think Josh, I would not say I'll, if I'm drafting these third basemen, I'm not taking Donaldson fifth, might be taking him seventh or eighth. The Yankees, massively upgraded their third base position. Last year, their third third base production ranked 17th in Major League Baseball, had 2.2 war and a 90 WRC+. Gio had a good start to the season, but then he got injured and he had a really bad second half. And then when he started to play shortstop, he was not good, okay? He was not a shortstop, clearly, but he was just still injured. So the Yankees' third base production ranked 17th in Major League Baseball. Big caveat, if Josh Donaldson is healthy, they're going to rank a lot higher than 17th, I can tell you that. Donaldson's one of these guys that, again, we talked about this. He's he's uh, he's hated if he's on another team. He's a different type of hate. He's just, he's just, he's a pest. He's one of these guys who gets under your skin. But everything you're hearing about, uh, and and these are the type of, of uh, conversations and interviews I actually listen to, is like, Hey, what is your interaction with the team? Hey, what are you doing? How is it thing? And he's talking about that. He's talking like just a lot of baseball conversations with Aaron Judge. And they're just like getting in the weeds of like how to play. He's an addict. He's one of these guys who just has loves and is addicted to baseball and to the um the mechanics and the game itself. Like he's just he's a he's a lifer baseball guy. And yes, he's a pain in the ass. And I hated him when he was not on the team. But he's also the kind of kind of guy that are like, all right, now that asshole's on our team. That's a good thing. And yes, if he's healthy, he's a dynamic bat. There's no doubt he's a dynamic bat and he can play third base. So it is an upgrade. It is an upgrade. He's a legit bat that will, um, I hate throwing the caveat of healthy because you could say that about every single player on the, on the roster, but he is a, he's a dynamic guy and he, and he, he mashes the ball. Like he mashes the ball and that's a good thing. And guess what? The dynamic of the lineup has changed. It's just changed. And that's a good thing. It's a very good thing. So for everybody saying that this, this team is the same, it is not the same. It is not the same. First of all, we have different look. That's just good. Like aesthetics, it's different. Plus, that's a plus for, for I think, everybody watching. We don't have to roll out the exact same people. So just different people makes it different first and foremost. But they have different skill sets also. And they have different uh, skill sets that are complementary to other people on the team. And that is such an important piece to building on-field chemistry. And I think it's downplayed and not given enough uh, consideration in, in, some, uh, in the eyes of some fans. But for a winning baseball team, you better damn well have complementary players that, that have skill sets that are able to be paired with it. And you're not just a one-trick pony all the way through one through nine. And that's not what this team is. Yeah, something was broken with the, the team last year, really the last two plus years. And you looked at the stats, and I think they ranked top seven or eight in uh, on-base percentage and bottom 10 in runs scored. And usually, like those two things, you're getting on base, you're putting a lot of 
traffic on the basis to borrow to borrow the Aaron Boone term, good things are going to happen. Good things were not happening with that Yankee lineup. Okay, so the the construction was broken and it needed a change. And I was thinking about the opening day lineup possibilities, and I I how is the lineup going to look? Who's going to start? What is the alignment going to be? I would personally start LeMahieu at second base. I don't know if that means Glaber is on the bench or if he's DHing. That entirely depends, I think, on Giancarlo Stanton. But I don't think Gla- I don't think handing Glaber Torres the quote unquote second base job, he has not earned that. Now maybe they'll do it because they're worried about his fragile ego and that if he's riding the pine on opening day, it's going to derail his whole season, which. I think is a real concern with someone like Glaber Torres, which is a problem in and of itself. But I would go LeMayu at second, Judge in right, Rizzo at first, Stanton at DH, Donaldson at third, Gallo in left, Hicks in center, IKF at short, and Higgy at nine. And then I like the balance of that lineup if those are the nine starters. Now, maybe Hicks sits, Stanton and Gallo and Judge are in the outfield, and then you can DH Glaber, or you can DH Donaldson and move DJ over to third. Like, there's a lot of possibilities, but just I like the balance a lot better of, of this lineup. Absolutely, I think it, it's also gonna um, it, it it gives the opposing team much more to think about one through nine and how you're going to attack this lineup than than it did last year. So, right right there to me, that's that's a really big positive. Is is you know giving giving them extra uh, giving the other team. Uh, just just different looks to think about. And when it comes to the postseason, that's really important. I think that's really important to have that, the ability to change that look up. And look, I'm not going to take a lot of stock in who's playing what position for one day of the year either, because whether they roll DJ out at second base or not. Just look what they did with Gary Sanchez last year. Yeah, right, exactly. So it, it doesn't really, it doesn't mean a lot. It's a matter of like, get if you can get him the, you know, 500 at-bats, uh, LeMahieu I'm talking about during this season, then, then great. And, and I think, I think that's still a very good possibility. I think a lot of it does hinge on how much Stanton is playing the outfield, but it's, it's, it's a possibility. So, um, I I don't care. I'm not going to get up in arms if, uh, if DJ is not out there at second base and he's, and he comes in, you know, in the fourth inning or fifth inning for defense, which guess what? That's probably going to happen. Fourth inning. (laughs) Yankees take a one nothing lead in the first inning. Defense, let's go. Let's shut it down. Gun to your head, is Brett Gardner on the opening day roster? No. Is he on the roster at any point this season? Uh, possibly. Okay, so you're you're thinking someone gets an injury in the outfield and Gardner, Gardner doesn't even get, he, there's no phone call. It's just understood he's on the next flight to New York. It's possible that they're using, yeah, I don't, you know, with other reports of him not signing other where, uh, other places, there's definitely still a concern that he could be here. But if he's not here now and the season starts in a couple of weeks, he's an older guy. Like, you know, he's going to need some reps to get going. And they just they have guys that that are Brett Gardner on this roster right now. Right. So I, I don't unless they're getting rid of LaCastro. Uh, or Lamar, like any of these guys that you see that can, Marwin that can, Gonzalez to a minor Marwin league Gonzalez, like, uh, again, Floreal, Floreal could be an extra guy out there to, uh, that, that gives you a, a similar type of thing. I just, I don't see how it's, it's going to happen unless it's forced in. There are other guys that are younger and do similar things. Uh, they just, they need to, they need to move the clubhouse. They need to transition the clubhouse at this point. Don't bring him back. Uh, you know whether you like him or not as a clubhouse guy. Like there are guys that can fill this position, and and we need we need more. Stan, if stands in the outfield, like it just doesn't make sense. If if stands in the outfield more often, it doesn't make sense. Do you think his impact on the Yankees clubhouse is a little overblown, Gardner's? Um, I, I think it's a good impact. I mean, I don't I don't know how you know. Is there a war for impact clubhouse impact? I don't know, uh, but. I think it matters, but I don't, I also think that there's an opportunity for other people to step up. I think they have good veteran leadership right now. I don't think they're lacking veteran leadership. I think you bring a guy like Rizzo in for the full season and immediately you're getting a a clubhouse leader. Um, Donaldson, I don't know how much he's like rah, rah, like, you know, clubhouse guy or or just pisses people off. No, I mean, uh, I can see him being the right kind of internal agitator. Right, like I, I, I don't know. Maybe he I'm fights with other people on his team too. That's happened definitely in the <laughs> sure. past. So it, maybe he, I'm completely. They have to clear that, that hurdle first. Yeah, 
Yeah, Gallo, a veteran guy who's now on the team for the full season. Judge, who's been in the league for a while now, the de facto captain. Stanton, a veteran leader. Higgy's okay, no Garrett young Cole, buck either anymore. Garrett Cole, pitching staff leader. Like, they've got plenty of guys. And I think with, with Brett Gardner, right? Like, NJ.com wrote a, an article about how Brett Gardner is going to be missed and how he taught some guys to be a Yankee. And part of me is like, oh, that's that that's that's cool, right? Like Brett Gardner took on that that responsibility in a time when the Yankees needed it. After Jeter and Mariano and A-Rod and all those guys left the team, it was sort of Brett Gardner by by default as the only one left. So he took on that responsibility. And that's cool. But then I'm like, but what did it translate to? Okay, the closest they got was 2017. And they didn't get there. Why they didn't get there, we don't know. Huh, maybe this letter will tell us some more. <laughs> maybe this fucking letter that comes out will, will tell us the truth. But 2018, they were even further away. 2019, they got close again, didn't get there. 2020, that, uh, like, I'm erasing that from my brain, okay? I'm doing the men in black mind eraser on the 2020 year in general. Period. 2021, 2021, nowhere close. They were nowhere close to a championship. So we've seen this team regress with Brett Gardner as the quote-unquote leader of the clubhouse. I'm not blaming Brett Gardner, but I'm also not going to over overstate his importance. Like, yeah, he was good for the clubhouse, but he wasn't like – I don't think his loss is going to mean anything. In that presence is more important in 2016, 2017 than it is today. These guys are, are sure. veteran players at this point. There's not – anybody that's coming up like immediately that's green to what's going on in the Bronx. Like they know what's happening. There's they've had now have guys that have been on the other side uh, and have played in New York multiple times, you know, in their career. So it's no, I I don't think you, uh, if you're looking just at the veteran leadership point, like they have that covered now, you need to make sure that the product on the field is as good as you can possibly get. And I don't think that is with including Brett Gardner. Another gun to your head question. Does Aaron Judge have a contract extension before opening day? No. Do you think they make him an offer? I think I think they've said they said they that they're going to, I believe, right? Or they're at least trending no, in the house said they're gonna have talks in yeah. the next week. We don't know. Um, yeah, I think they're gonna I think they're having conversations about an offer to, you know, whether you're considering it presenting them an offer. I think they're gonna throw some numbers out there and say, where are we? And and then they'll go from there. I, but it's gotta get done before the season, right? Like I don't I don't see them doing that's it what the, judge said. during the season. Yeah. That's what Judge that's what said. Everybody Wasn't says. isn't that what Lindor said last year and the Mets called the Mets took him up on that and then they offered him an insane contract before the season. So it worked for Lindor. I don't know if it's going to work the same for Aaron Judge. I, I I hope he does. I will say this: I hope he does because sure he's he should get the contract no matter what. Why make it a distraction? Get it done now. I agree with that. Don't make it a distraction because it will be a distraction. Maybe it's not going to be a distraction in May and June, but come come trade deadline, it might be a distraction. Come come end of the season, it will definitely be a distraction. Whether they win or lose in the playoffs. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's one of the questions everybody, if he's on a, a podcast or somewhere else besides just the, the the beat reporters who see him, who will see him every day, it's the first question that's asked. It's, it's top three question you, you you get from Judge. So he's going to be, you know, going down this, <laughs> take, a, take a step back, smile thing, you know, just really proud He doesn't answer here. any questions. Yeah. So, but for Judge, is re-signing Judge right now to an extension does not change the 2022 Yankees outlook. So it might appease some fans, but it doesn't change my opinion on the offseason. Well, it also entrenches entrenches him in this clubhouse and who he is. He's the guy, you know, without a contract as quote lame duck. Like you, you don't know if he's the guy. Is he the guy? Is he not the guy? Are they gonna do it? Is he not? Yeah. Does he does, kind of, I didn't does that about affect like that. his leadership in the in the clubhouse? Does he feel more timid in the way that he does things? Because he's not sure if he's going to be here next year. I think psychologically there's a there's a number of things that can happen there. And, you know, it's certainly in the best interest of the New York Yankees, I think, to get a deal done right now. I, I, I Unequivocally, I think that's the case. Do you think he would accept a five-year extension that kicks in next year? So if you include this year at six total years, they would pay him his arbitration amount, which is going to be 18, 19 million. And then 
five five years at thirty five million or something like that. I think they're going to have to go beyond that. When you see what beyond that guaranteed or beyond that with some achievable. How old is he right now? Uh, I believe he's thirty one. He'll be thirty one, or he is thirty one. So five year puts him at thirty six, thirty seven. Look, he's not going to get a Corey Seager ten year deal unless unless uh, he just turns willing. he turns thirty in April. Okay, so he's thirty. So he'll so this is his thirty. So thirty six. Just call it. This is his age thirty season. Yeah. So I think he's going to look for. I think he's going to try to get a uh, seven or eight year deal. I don't he's think a ten year deal is on the table him. anymore. But no, it's not. I think it's a not. seven year deal is on the table. Do you think the Yankees give him a seven year deal? Yeah, I can because see that. I. Yeah, maybe just to make themselves feel better, they they throw in some semi obtainable options that kick in for that seventh and eighth year or something like that. Well, you slot Judge into the DH spot too at at, at a certain point. Why? Right? So he's got multiple. No, Why? I'm saying for for later in the career. How? How? What do you mean how? You're paying Giancarlo Stanton until the end of time. Well, that's true. So one of them is is going to be a uh, it's a platoon DH when they're both forty years old. Oh, great, great! You're spending forty five million dollars a year for a freaking platoon DH. You're, you're you're paying for Aaron Judge. You're paying you're paying the money for Aaron Judge is different than anybody else though because he's the because he is the face of the franchise. I'll tell you what, Giancarlo Stanton making twenty two million dollars in twenty twenty eight is going to be a better bargain than Aaron Judge making thirty five million dollars in twenty twenty eight. Yeah, but the amount of uh, the amount of dollars he's making this Yankees organization by being on the team, being that guy is 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 there's a price there. He should know that too. He does know that. Yankees know that. that he's different. For the he's chambers. not Stanton. Stanton is not Judge. They're not the same. Whether they have the same numbers on the field or not, they're not the same. Judge is the guy. Yes, I know that. I know that. I know that. Last I, thing I um, want to talk about. Oh, oh, go ahead, Logan. So I I did a little bit of deep diving about a judge contract a little bit ago. So judge will be 30 on April 26th. So Anthony Rendon at around the same age got seven years for 245 million. It's 35 million a year. So you know that judge is going to probably want equal to that, if not more. Um, Judge is a better player when you look at their numbers pretty unequivocally. And they kind of both have injury history. Yeah. I think what they should do is they should basically do what the Red Sox did with Trevor Story with that, like, opt-in to the last two years or he has an opt-out. Like, I said, like, if he opts out, if they put an opt-out after the 20 or before, before like, give him a, um, give him a eight-year contract, but he has an opt-out after the second year. And then if he opts, if he opts uh, out, you can activate the last two years or something like that. I wouldn't, I don't know I wouldn't how be surprised if the, if the if the opt outs were were a little bit tricky. The difference with him though is is because he is this franchise guy. I think calling it out in two years, yeah, it just doesn't make a ton of sense for for either party. I would you say see that when he, a guy's he know, his payday teams. is now. You, you see the opt out early in the contract when someone's changing teams because it's almost like security for them. It's like if I freaking hate it, I can get out in two years. Judge knows if he's going to like it or not in New York. It's not, that's not an issue. So <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. Uh, the, the contract is going to be interesting. I, I, I think, I think if it goes to free agency, I I think if they don't sign him to an extension, it's not going to happen. Like what's going to change over the course of the season that they're going to be like, oh, now we're willing to give them seven or eight years. You know what I mean? That's the thing. If they go out, if he, if he becomes a free agent and he's testing waters and he's going out there, if that, if that is the case, someone's going to overpay for him. And yeah. I just don't, I am not, I don't believe that the Yankees would overpay for him uh, if they're up against uh, an open market. Right. So and if Judge, know, Judge, if, they, if Judge knows that, if that's part of his tactic and he knows that that's the case as well, um, then then there's a very, if he if he's banking on that, there's a very good chance that Aaron Judge is not on this team. <laughs> Logan, Logan says the Mets would overpay for Judge. That would yeah, be they would. a heel turn of all time. Last thing I want to talk about before we wrap up, the 10th inning Ghost Runner is coming back, baby. I know I'm in the minority, but I'm happy about it, okay? I think everyone just needs to admit to themselves that this is an exciting rule. Shut the hell up. It's not in the playoffs. No one wants it in the playoffs. But for the 162 regular season games, give me a freaking Ghost Runner so I don't have to watch guys try to hit solo home runs for nine hours. It's so stupid. 
It's so, <laughs> so very dumb. And guess what? They can't hit singles or move guys over, so they're still going to try to hit solo home runs. <laughs> so that's the flaw in your logic. The flaw in your logic No, but is, games is that- end sooner. This rule, more games have ended in the 10th inning than yeah. they did prior yeah, to this rule. because there's a phantom runner on second base. So, so dumb. So things are happening. Things are things are movement. There there's movement happening. It's exciting. We're wheeling and dealing. <laughs> what it's about such this? A, it's such How about this? Such a clown car. I was move. thinking about this. I was thinking about this. If the game was tied before the 7th inning. Okay? And the score is the same. Then you do the ghost runner in the 10th inning. If the game shifted hands and the score changed and it's tied between the seventh and the, and the ninth inning. So a, one team came back or there was a back and forth. Then you don't do the ghost runner. That's even dumber. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah, because you're, you're, you're putting an arbitrary deadline of the seventh inning to be like, get in the game or like be part uh-huh. of the game. No. Yeah. Exactly. That, that, it, it's that's stupid. Again, like I like that. Now, now we're just playing a seventh and another seven inning game to like see what happens in the rest of them. So, so now you're gonna like make different choices to tie the game in the set. It's just dumb. It doesn't no, need to happen. And, and they're 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 over they're overextending. Well, they're over teams indexing. like it. Teams they like it because it saves pitching. Fine. It saves pitching for teams. Okay. It it's, does. Okay, it's it's here, so it is what it is. But it's dumb. If a team, if, if, a if we've already watched softball move, that's exactly if we've already watched, if we've already watched two teams try and hit solo home runs from the seventh inning to the ninth inning, and they were unable to do that. I don't want to watch that from the tenth inning on. Give me the ghost runner in the tenth inning. I would, I would way prefer a a home run derby to 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 make the uh, to decide the game over skills a competition. No, do all all skills competition. No, just a home run derby. You do a just pitching competition. Home run derby. You do a defense competition. It's like a penalty and shot. a home run derby. Yeah, fine. Everyone's like, I mean, they're basically, I mean, the NHL does penalty shots, right? Like, but that's it. So you do a derby crazy. and you're 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 doing the at least it's something different. Are you doing the derby against batting practice? Yeah, you have your own guy. Like Robbie Cano's dad comes out and pitches to him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't I would not hate that. Okay. Mike Harkey Mike <laughs> might be like an MVP candidate because he he throws phenomenal bullpen. You know, like you could have like your guy, and you now you're now you're looking around for bullpen guys who can throw batting practice. I think there's people who are afraid to get shamed on Twitter, and they're not admitting that they like this rule. But I like the rule because it adds excitement to otherwise mostly unexciting moments of baseball. Okay, the game ten years ago was different. Now, the 10th inning rolls around, and guys just go up there trying to hit dingers. It's not exciting. So guess what? When when everybody's able to hit singles again, it's going to be so anticlimactic. Because it's going to be a little bleeder through the infield. A little bleeder through the infield wins the game. And it's going to be painful to lose those games. There's 162 baseball games a year. Just like, it's, it's just get over it. Just get over it. Just play the game normally. That's all. Is that too much to ask? Just like it's been played a certain way with the rules. Like just do things that. Things need to change. I'm not saying this is the best change they've ever made, but things need to change with this game of baseball. All right? Okay. All right. That's going to wrap it up for today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not done so, shoot us a rating and review on uh, whatever podcast app you are listening on. Follow us on social media. Logan and Ilya have been doing a lot of work behind the scenes to add new social media clips and different graphics and all that that kind of stuff. Very excited for once the season gets going, we're going to ramp up our episode cadence, going to shoot for three episodes a week in the season. And we're also going to be doing the, the AL East around the horn previews leading up to opening day. So a lot of stuff coming here on this feed. Thanks, guys, so much. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.